give up for fresh. Isn't he amazing? Woo. Oh, church, there's something, something cooking in the room today. I walked in, I thought, wow, God's here. Take a deep breath, will you? Just grab this moment. It's easy to move on. You know, worship isn't the warm-up to the preaching. Worship is the only part of the meeting that is just for him. The word is for us. The prophetic word is for us. The gifts moving are for us. The announcements are definitely for us. Just close your eyes where you are and just put your hands up like this. And just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you. Thank you for being king. Thank you for being Lord. Thank you for being kind. As I drove here this morning, I just said, God, you're so kind. You're so kind. Lord, we just thank you for every opportunity that your people across this world get to be together, to celebrate you together. We thank you for the church at large. We thank you for your people, the ecclesia across the face of this earth. And we thank you that the loudest shout is yet to come. Thank you that the trumpet will sound and you, the king of glory, will split the skies and you will return to meet your bride that's made herself ready. And Holy Spirit, this morning, I ask that you, through the foolishness of preaching, but through the honoring of your word, that you would continue to make us ready. We thank you that this is your voice imprint. And we honor this word. We honor you this morning. And I ask that every single one of us in this room, including myself, will encounter you and will be changed a little bit more into your likeness, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, if you've been journeying with us the last few weeks, um, this has kind of been where it's gone. Um, I have this saying that so often when you're going through something in life, you don't have a language for it. But when you come out the other side, you have a language, and when you have that language, you can literally offer it as a gift to somebody else. But a few weeks ago, I found myself in a place where I had no language. It was, I'd, got, I'd been up all night long. I've just been in a place of turmoil, and I felt like there's no way I can speak. I, don't even, I can't even get to the meeting this morning to be with God's people. I just can't. I'm in such a state. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to speak from where you're at, having no language. And the title of that message was No Language Yet. Last week, it was called Finding a Language finding a language. So it's kind of a three-part series. And today, the title of this message is Speaking God's Language. Speaking God's Language. If you can turn in your Bibles back to 1 Samuel chapter 16, that's where we've been for a while, and we're going to jump straight back there in a moment. But before I do, I just want to... Um, just kind of give you, like, tell you the end of this message right at the very beginning. And the end is really this. I believe today God wants to put us in alignment. He wants to align us. God aligns us and brings alignment to us for assignment. And there is an assignment for his people. There's assignment for us individually and corporately. But in order to do that, you need to get an alignment. Will you just put your hand up if you've ever had an alignment on your car? Just put your hand up. Okay. I have. And when I was told how much it cost, I said, I'll oh, forget that. I'll skip that. And the mechanic looked at me. He's like, no, you don't want to skip this. I said, no, yeah, I do. And I skipped it because I didn't want to pay the money. And then a few weeks later, the new tires that I had were bald on the inside. He said, well, I told you to get an alignment. And so I wrote down five things that happen if we don't get an alignment. Number one, it wears out the tread on the tires prematurely. And here's the first thing. 
today I want to talk about that if you are out of alignment, you may find in your life that you are getting worn out prematurely. The word weariness simply means this. It means to make old before its time. Attire prematurely wears out. Weariness, weariness means to make old before its time. Daniel chapter 7 says, Before the ancients of days comes, the enemy will come to weary or wear down the saints. Some of you know what it's like to be worn down. Some of you are in a season right now where you just feel, yeah, actually, I think I'm weary. And I've talked about this before. I'm not, it's not my assignment today, but weariness, I personally believe, is always demonic. God himself does not grow weary. I, the Lord, do not grow weary. But Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary. Hebrew says, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't. So weariness actually grows. Weariness is not tiredness. Tiredness is of the body. Weariness is of the soul. Tiredness is a natural response for our body, and it goes away when we rest. Weariness doesn't. It comes, the enemy comes to weary to wear down the saints. So if we're in alignment, then it stops premature wear. Number two. Um, the second thing is if we're not in alignment, it's, it burns more fuel. It is actually less economical for a car to drive. You get less miles per gallon if you're out of alignment. Ever felt like that? I just feel like what I used to be able to go so much further on the same amount of gas, pretty real, real right now with gas prices, um, but now I just feel like I'm running out of fuel. Anyone feel like that? I, get, I go to bed tired, but I wake up tired. And there's a sense of I'm just, I'm running out of fuel. I don't have enough gas. I want to suggest today, could it be that there's an alignment that God wants to correct? And I'm going to, from the word of God, I'm going to just show us today how we can get alignment. And I'm sharing this and I'm speaking to myself because all these things I have to live true as well. So I'm talking, to, talking a language and I'm just presenting God, the, how to speak God's language even when you don't have a language for it yourself. Number three, it's harder to handle. It's harder to handle a car that is out of alignment. It's like having your tires too low. It's hard to, to handle. It, when, when we're out of alignment in our life, just the smallest maneuver can seem absolutely exhausting. That which was easy at one point now is very, very difficult. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like I could cope with that before. I can't cope with it now. I don't know why. Now, suddenly I feel anxious. I've never struggled with anxiety. Now I feel stressed. Now I'm having to go to the doctor. Now I'm having to take medication. I'm having to adjust this and adjust that. Everything is out of balance. Everything's out of whack. I don't know what's going on in my life. Could it be that you're just out of alignment? So number one, it wears on the treads. Number two, it burns more fuel. Number three, it's harder to handle. Number four, it's no longer safe. If you don't get an alignment, it's actually a safety issue. And God wants his people to be safe. But, but spiritually, emotionally, often we can come to a place where I'm not even sure. I trust myself. I don't feel safe around myself. Could it be that we're out of alignment? You feel off. You feel like you lost your center. You're no longer where you once were. You could see clearly before. You could hear clearly before. When you spoke, you spoke with confidence. I'm just out of alignment. I don't like this. Everything's wearing out too quicker. My life doesn't seem as economical as it was. I can't go as far. I can't handle life. I don't even feel safe. You know, there's nowhere safer than the center of God's will. I don't want to go on a tangent today because it's not the purpose, but you, many of you know where my parents live and the part of the world that's on the news right now. And my mother said to me, the last time I spoke to her, she said, the greatest gift we can give to our kids and our grandkids is to stay in the will of God. And while everybody else is saying, get out, they're staying. Why would we get out? This is the will of God. There's nowhere safer than in the will of God. We're safer in the most dangerous part of the world because it's the will of God than we would be if we were in Chicago or we were in England or we were in Hawaii. Stay in the will of God. And the reason I started earlier by saying, let's just begin to thank him. Because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 says this. 
Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in every circumstance, give thanks in every circumstance, give thanks in every circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Boom, wow, mic drop. There's some, I could just stop right there. Here's, I just need to know the will of God, be thankful. It's a key to breakthrough. It's one of the keys to alignment. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. God, you're so kind. And suddenly anxiety just begins to, it just begins to shift as you get into an alignment. And God says, you're getting into alignment. Suddenly, ah, the opposite is true. Now, now I'm not wearing, I'm not wearing out so quick. Now I, I don't feel I'm burning so much fuel. I've just got energy. I don't feel weary. I don't feel worn out at the end of the day. Suddenly my life is easier, easier to handle. Where last week I would, I was just, it was like every every time I turned the wheel, every time I made a decision, it just felt like the wrong one, and I don't feel safe around me anymore. And number five, it just costs you more. It just costs you more. When you finally go for the alignment, now it's not just the price of an alignment, it's the, pro, it's the cost of four new tires. It's the, now you need this, and now it's affected your struts, and it's affected this, and you're going to a doctor and saying, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, but really, if you brought it all down to one thing, it was alignment. So today, I want to talk about speaking God's language. I've never taught this before. This is fresh. I got up early this morning. I went to my secret place. And I sat with the dog as he walked around and I watched people fish. It was like Groundhog Day, the same as last week. The only thing that's different is his mercies are new every morning. And God was there. He was alive. And I sat there. I thought, God, you're so good. You're so good. And so this is fresh. It's like straight out of the oven. I didn't pull this out of a file, okay? You've never heard this before, and I'm going to be preaching to myself this morning. Is that all right? So 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let's jump back to where we were um, the last few weeks. Um, This is the story of Samuel and God speaking to Samuel. Here's the context. There's always a context to the text. And the context to this text is that Samuel was a prophet, and he had been serving with Saul, and God says to him in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn? Another translation says grieve. Since I have reje- how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Now fill your horn with oil and be on your way. There were a few points that we pulled out the other week. There's three things. Number one, how long will you grieve? Grief, by definition, is the body's natural response to loss. Grief is not a bad thing. It's not a wrong thing. It is a natural response to loss. The Bible says we grieve not as those who have no hope. That does not mean we do not grieve. It just means that we don't grieve in the same way. Why? Because there's hope attached to the end of it. Amen? So we grieve, but the question that God asked of this great prophet is how long will you grieve? How long will you mourn for Saul? Saul was still alive. But God is taught there's something in this narrative, when we look at it, there's actually something about the very anointing of the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do, to do with his anointing and where he wants to place that anointing. And everything I'm saying about the anointing is all to do, and we'll land there at the end, to do with alignment of our life to stop these five things happening. And I believe the Holy Spirit, by the end of today, is going to correct some things because he's doing it in my life like a chiropractor so suddenly you can see things differently. Suddenly the things that wore you out don't wear you out anymore. Suddenly the things you can't handle, you can handle again. Suddenly your life is a lot more economical. You have a lot more gas in the tank and you can go a lot further because there's a fresh oil of gladness that he wants to pour into our life. Amen? So this is going to be a good morning. I'm going to go quick. So 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let's keep reading. So here's the three first things. Number one, he says, how long will you grieve? Number two, fill your horn with oil. Now we looked at this, that there's a sacrifice in getting a horn, right? You can't, it's like a wineskin. An animal has to die to create the wineskin in the same way an animal had to die in order to get the horn. So sacrifice precedes the anointing. How do we know that? He says, how long will you grieve, fill your horn with oil, and be on your way? Three things. 
How long will you grieve? How long are you going to stay in this place of loss? Number two, I want you to sacrifice something and fill the horn with oil. I'm going to anoint your sacrifice. The anointing comes after sacrifice. When we sacrifice to the Lord, when we act in obedience, when we lay down our lives, the anointing comes. The anointing comes. Today, by the end, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to show you areas of your life where you need to surrender. And the moment you surrender, you're going to feel fresh oil and that's the divine exchange and suddenly there's going to be an anointing in this room starting on the inside and you're going to leave here changed. How do I know it? Because it happened to me this morning before the sun came up. See, joy comes from the Holy Spirit. Happiness comes from happenings. Oh, this happened and now I'm happy. But that's not, happiness comes from happenings, but joy comes from the Holy Ghost. Paul says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So a third of the kingdom is joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I just, I, I just declare right now, I just ask, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would touch hearts in this room today, that hearts, even though they're calloused, even though they're hurt, even though they're disappointed, would just fillet open. So you, Holy Spirit, for the power of your word, which is your voice in print, which would touch each and every heart in this room, including me, that the oil of gladness would come in today and we would leave here changed with a fresh anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you receive that, church? Let's do this. God's up for it. You know, do you know God's up for it? Sometimes we pray, Lord, do something. He said, I already did everything. You do something. The bride has made herself ready. Lord, do something. I already did everything at the cross. It's like John said earlier. He said, if you're full of shame here, you can deal with shame off you. Because he already forgave you. He already did it 2,000 years ago. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see what he, what he used to see. He sees Jesus. When he looks at us, he sees himself. All right, let's go. Okay, let's go. Here we go. All right. So let's keep going. Fill your home with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Everyone say to Bethlehem. There's a point there which we'll find. I have chosen him as the one... Uh, I have chosen one of his sons to be king, all right? So, let's uh, reading. But Samuel said, how can I go? To, if Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse, that's David and his brother's dad, to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. I love this about God. It's like... Um, I'm not going to tell you which one it is. I want you to be obedient. There's an alignment. Obedient. Obedient. I want you to be obedient. You know, in, in, in old Bible times, they, would, they didn't have electricity. They would have lamps. They were called ankle lamps, and they put lamps so that you could just see about three feet. That's what the psalmist is talking about when he says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sometimes we can only see three feet in front of us, which means that we can't run. It's not a sprint right now. Why? Because his word is a lamp unto my feet. They were called ankle lamps. I can only just see my ankles. Sometimes when God is taking us through something, it's a matter of obedience step by step. We just want to know, we want to know where we're going. But what's the end, Lord? He says, no, thy word is a lamp unto my feet right now. Another time it will be a light unto your path. You'll be able to see so far, sunshine, you can run. But right now, I want you to walk because this is sensitive and this is delicate and you need to learn this dance with me. I want you to learn this walk with me. That's why Galatians 5 says, keep in step with the Spirit. There's a step. There's a rhythm to the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. The Bible says, and you'll not gratify the the, the desires of the flesh. All right, let's keep going. So, but Samuel took it. How can I go? Take a heifer. I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Um, I will anoint for the one that I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. Woo, that's good. So Samuel did what the Lord said and arrived at Bethlehem. Everyone say Bethlehem. 
And the elders of the town were trembled when they met him. And they asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. They're scared. of This is the prophet. This is a well-known prophet. Samuel is coming. What's going to happen? This is scary. Have you come in peace? They said, yep, I've come in peace. Samuel says, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, which is what the Lord told him to say. We just read it, right? So he's, he's acting in obedience. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. Now Eliab, if you remember seven, um, seven steps of a spiritual warrior, we went through this. And Eliab was David's older brother and he was featured quite a lot. Okay, so, so he says Eliab was there. And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. So here's the prophet. The prophet is not seeing accurately, right? He's looking with his natural eyes. He's there to the sacrifice. He's got a horn of oil. He knows that God has no longer anointed Saul, but there's another man that he's going to anoint. And he looks and he sees this big, strong man. He goes, yep, that looks like him. Big, strong Warrior, Saul was tall. This would be good. The people will like this. He's like Saul. He's a soldier. He's big. He's the eldest son. He fits the description. That must be the one. So he goes, steps forward to anoint him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his outward appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's really important, that God looks for heart. Everyone say heart. Heart, 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 heart. God looks at the heart. He's looking for a heart. See, we look at man, we look at stuff, we look at, we look at the things that man is interested in. We look at the things that, that move us. Well, that will move the people, but it doesn't move God. Well, this will be spectacular if we do this and we do this and we do this. It will move. It will, something will move. It will shift. It will create that. It will create that. And God says, I'm not impressed. Because you look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. It's like character and versus gift. We get, we can, we, we, sometimes we get so enamored by somebody's gift. You know, God's not impressed by our gift. That's why it was called a gift. Well, like, look at me, Lord. I look at all my gifts. He's like, I know, I gave them to you. Well, look how well I know the Bible. I, I know I wrote the book. Still not impressed. God's not impressed by our gifts. We, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God is moved by our heart. And he's looking for a man who's after his own heart. So here's Samuel, his chosen instrument, a prophet who's walking. And he, he says, it surely must be this one. Ready? Let's anoint him. He fits the description. He fits what should be normal. God says, no, keep moving. Then Jesse called Abinadad and asked him to pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by Samuel, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven sons to pass by Samuel. Everybody say seven really important. Seven sons to pass by Samuel, but Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen any of these. So he asked Jesse, are, all, are these all the sons you have? We know the story because we talked about this. There was another one. But what I want to just point out for a moment when we talk about alignment is that God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And that God is, the anointing is more intelligent than we are. The anointing is more intelligent than the prophet. The anointing of oil is waiting for the appointment and the instruction of the Holy Spirit to say it's this one. But Samuel's a man, he's a prophet, and he's like, I can't figure this out. Is there another one? It's like, well, there's David. But I have seven sons. Seven is the number of completion. Eight is the number of New beginnings. The, the eighth day of the week is a new beginning. God restarted the world with eight people. 
from Noah's family. Eight is a significant number of new beginnings. Seven is a number of completeness. In other words, God's saying, uh, God is saying to Samuel, letting him, teaching him, showing him something about his very nature and his choosing. You've, there's all seven and it's none of those. It's not the head and shoulders. It's not the warrior. It's not their outward appearance. I'm looking for something else. So Samuel goes, is there another? Well, there's David, but David's a bit weird. He's just odd. He's just... Now, we've talked about this before. I personally believe David was a love child because the psalmist says, in iniquity I was born. In transgression, my mother conceived me. I, personally, I believe this red-headed guy that didn't look like his brothers, who was a lot shorter, he was just not invited to the party because he just looked different. I've got seven. This one of these, these are soldiers. He's a shepherd boy. These are soldier men, shepherd boys, soldiers, shepherd, little kid, scrawny, ready, but good looking. Samuel says, Jesse, go and get that boy. And then he said, and I'm not going to sit down until he gets here. I, I love the Bible because I imagine that. Like, I just imagine the awkwardness of it. Like, you know, like Samuel's just there, like holding this horn of oil. And the boys are like, trying to whisper under their breath. Does he know Samuel? David's an idiot. <laughs> He's never been to war. He's <laughs> a kid. This is going to be so embarrassing. And Samuel's just staring at them, listening to the Holy Spirit. Just, do you think God just does things different? Okay, let's keep reading. This is good. All right, I get excited about this. Are all these men who had, well, there's the youngest, Jesse's answered, but he's tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him right now. We will not sit down until he arrives. So it's just awkward. They just stood there like, how, like, how long was the fear? Was it like... Five minutes away? Was it an hour away? Was it two days walk away? Like David, like calling, text him, like, hey, you, you know, they've got to go and find him. And he's probably playing the harp. You know, he's writing another psalm. You know, playing with his slingshot. Like, Dave, there's a prophet, he's sent for you. Sweet, okay, let me just get my sheep together. Like, just, right, okay, so he's there and he brings him. He brings him before Samuel, and this will happen. Samuel said, send for him, I'll not sit down to get here. Then the Lord said, arise and anoint him. He is the one. Woo! So this is what happens. So Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David with power. <laughs> this is just good. All right. So Samuel's a prophet. God says, how long will you grieve? Take a horn of oil and be on your way. The anointing, God's, God is aligning us for his purpose. Everyone say, for his purpose. For his purpose. This is, there's so much in here, and I, I just need the help of the Holy Spirit this morning because I, I want to I communicate this so that we can, we can actually see from the Word of God with revelation how we align ourselves. Because we're going to go back into worship in a minute. I'm going to have the team come up, and we're going to sing that song. And I, again, and I, just, I believe God is going to, like a chiropractor, <laughs> And it's going to be different for different people. But, but what's going to happen today is that God, as God aligns us, there's going to be an, an oil, a fresh anointing that's going to come. Uh, I think that's great. So thank you, Lord, for that. I'm in. But here's one of the things. Oil follows sacrifice. Oil follows obedience. Can you, can you see that? The oil came, the anointing oil over David, came after Samuel was obedient. Everybody say Bethlehem. See, God's purpose is different. God is actually behind the scenes because he's God. Newsflash. I don't understand. Who cares? I didn't like worship for today. Well, it wasn't for you. I just shut up. Just say, God, are you doing something different? But if we'll keep listening, this is the prophet of God. The people were terrified, and he had to walk and listen and listen and listen and walk with God. Walk with God. Not like I've got all this plan. No, I've got to keep listening. Keep listening to God. But suddenly, as 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 this 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 narrative takes place, and things begin to just and align, you start to realize there's actually something a bit 
different going on than perhaps we first realized. Because God is trying to get, is there something about Bethlehem? And he wants David to get to Bethlehem to anoint him. And he anoints him. Did you know that the horn, a horn of oil, an animal's horn, actually had wax in it to stop the oil coming out? So when the prophet would hold the horn of oil over someone to anoint them, it was the heat from the person that God had appointed that glory would melt the wax and the oil would flow. And one translation actually says, and David was there, and he stood handsome and rugged, but glowing. Why? Because David wasn't a head and shoulders man. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a God chaser. He, had, he was a heart man. He just loved God. God, I want to be with you. People are like, he's weird. He's not a soldier. He's a shepherd boy. But he's longing after God. Did he mess up? Of course he did. He, made, he royally screwed up. But, but God saw his heart. Man looks at outward appearance. The prophet looked at outward appearance. But God looks at the heart and he said, keep listening and I'll show you the one I'm indicating. And this man, David, who'd been given, giving himself to obeying God and listening to God, worshiping God, chasing God's heart, chasing God's heart, I'm longing after your heart. Read the Psalms. You see this, this shepherd boy, he just longs. He has a love. He's in love with God. God says, I choose him. Why? He's a shepherd boy. But I want his heart. I want someone after my own heart and I got to get him to Bethlehem. Why? Because I'm aligning here and there's an alignment that none of you will see, but I'm God and I'm going to just keep going until I get this boy to Bethlehem and when he gets to Bethlehem, I'm going to use my prophet Samuel and Samuel is going to look at the outward appearance. He's going to start to get it wrong. But when he lifts the horn of oil and he puts it over the eldest son's head, Eliab, it's not going to melt because there's no glory there, because there's no heat there. There's nothing coming off this boy. He's just a tall guy. He's a soldier. He's the oldest and he's trained, but he doesn't have God's heart. Then the heart and the anointing is not coming up and it's not melting the wax and because it's not melting the wax the oil isn't flowing but I got to get him to Bethlehem because when I get there the one I choose who's the one after my own heart the one that no one else chose the eighth one the one of new beginnings the one who would start something new the one that would come from that I would come from his line that's the one I want I got to get him to Bethlehem because when he stands there it will shock everyone but when the horn is placed over his head the glory will melt the wax and the oil will flow and Bethlehem Later on in time, the Christ, the anointed one. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's the anointed one. The anointed one. Mary and Joseph will come to Bethlehem. She'll be tired and they'll stop right in that place. Why? Because it's in God's design. And if we're in alignment, we'll get to the right assignment and the oil will flow. So Mary comes and where David, the, 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 the wax melted and the oil flows, the anointing flows. Now Mary's there and, and her waters break and out from her flows the anointing, the Christ There's something bigger going on than, I don't understand what's going on. Shh. There's a pressing. We're hard pressed on every side. Crushed, persecuted, but not abandoned. This morning I'm reading Matthew, Mark chapter 14 is Gethsemane. You know, Gethsemane means the place of pressing. It's the place of the crushed. You can't have Calvary without Gethsemane. It was the place of Gethsemane where Jesus is in so, well, let's just turn there. He's in so much turmoil. Then they went to the place called Gethsemane, and Jesus told his disciples to sit down while he prayed. And he took Peter and James and John along with him, and they began, 
And he began, watch this, to deeply be distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is Jesus. He's a man of sorrows. Some of you have felt this now. I don't know if I can take any more. I don't know if I can take any more pressure. I, I, I feel like I'm going to die. I'm so discouraged. Lord, where are you? I don't know what's going on. Why hasn't this happened? And I, yeah, I stood on your word and I obeyed your word and I did everything right and still nothing's happening. Why did that happen? Why did that person die? Why didn't I get that job? Why am I getting healed? Why am I? Why? And suddenly we get out of alignment and we start wearing out. And suddenly we haven't got the energy anymore. And suddenly we can't handle life and we can't handle ourselves. And suddenly it costs so much. And now my body's broken and my mind's broken and my soul's broken. And I'm just a mess. And I've got, is it psychological? Is it physical? Is it mental? Is it financial? Is it relational? I don't know. I'm just in a mess. God, where are you? You're out of alignment. There's something much greater that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get David to Bethlehem so I can anoint him because Bethlehem, because David is a foreshadow of the Christ. He's my choosing. But when we're in alignment, suddenly we see it. When we're out of alignment, we just become off the rails and suddenly we're trying to fix everything. Now there's this, now there's that. And what about this? And I can't feel this. I can't feel my toes. Do I have cancer? Maybe it's this. That person died. We prayed for them. They died. What about this? Well, I'm just a mess. And God says, no, no, no. You're not a mess. You're just out of alignment. And now everything's gone wrong in the car because she didn't get an alignment. And I'm here to tell you this morning, church, the Spirit of the Lord says today, I want to get you in alignment so that you don't burn out. So you can handle life again. So the things that have irritated you, ticked you off, made you lie, make you gossip, make you hate yourself, hate other people, suddenly all is well with my soul. I'm good. I'm good because he lives. I'm good because I have the anointing. I'm good because it's flowing. And there's an oil of gladness instead of sadness. And there's a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. It's a spirit of despair. And it's not the Holy Spirit. It's an evil spirit. And it's a wicked spirit. It's a spirit from the pit of hell. And it's a spirit of despair. Another translation said it's a spirit of heaviness. You can shake it off and you can put on the garment of praise and praise, put your praise on and pray yourself happy and your life will get in alignment and you'll be like, "Woo! I'm feeling good. This is amazing. Ha! All I've got is the word of God. I'm just teaching the word. This is my opinion. I'm just saying, this is the word of God. So there's that. And then... Take a breath. Thank you, babe. So we're talking about alignment. Mark chapter 14, does it? He was so deep and overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said, stay here and keep watch. He gives the disciples this instruction. Going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it's possible that the hour may pass from me, Father. He said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup of mine, yet not I will, but what you will. There's surrender. There's surrender. I'm in this place of crushing, but out my innermost being is not my will, but yours. Sacrifice. That's what we have to do to get the oil. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, Are you asleep? Could you have not even kept watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is is weak. <laughs> See, here's the challenge why we don't want to get alignment and we don't get in alignment. Where spirit knows it's right, but our flesh is weak. 
It's easier to grumble and complain. It's easier to be sarcastic. It's easier just to believe other voices and choices. And you come out of alignment. It's like, yeah, everything's getting worse. Oh, I agree. Rather than going, I'm not partnering with that. No, 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 no. I refuse. I, if all I've got is God and his word, if I go that way, I might as well just go back to drugs, back to a life of crime, back to waste, back to a beer, living life like a dial tone. Duh, just waiting to die. All creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. We are all God's God. So this is Jesus, not my will, but his returning for the third time. He said, are you still sleeping, resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. But Jesus is at peace. For this reason, I came. That's why in another, trans- in another gospel, it's Jesus, when he sees Judas, he says, my friend, what are you going to do? Do it fast. To Judas, he says, my friend. To Peter, he calls him Satan. Why? Because an enemy is anything or anyone that hinders you from fulfilling your assignment. Peter was hindering Jesus from what he said from fulfilling the very reason he came. Judas was helping him fulfill his assignment for that is why he came. So he said, my friend, come on in. Give me a kiss. So that all the guards will know that I'm the one to arrest and take to the cross. To take to Calvary but I've already been to Gethsemane. I've already gone through the place of the crushing. I've already gone through the press. But olives are where we get oil. And it's the crushing at Gethsemane of the olives that produces the oil. You can't have a Calvary until you've had a Gethsemane. And some of you are here this morning and you're pressed. You're feeling the press. Is Talia here? Talia, this morning I just felt God say this. Ooh, I got to cry. You're feeling the pressed because God's after the oil. And God, God wants you to know today you are being pressed, but the oil's coming out. And it's a lot of oil that's about to come. Oh, it's going to come. It's going to really come. There's so much oil. The oil of your life is about to flow. And that's why it's pressing so, so hard. Reese, I, I was praying for you this morning. And you know, I was watching these fishermen. And, and as they were fishing, these dads with their kids and they're reeling them in. And everything's peaceful, right? Everything's peaceful. I love, it's, it's a place I love to go. And it's just, it's a lake and... I go early in the morning and it's just fishermen and people walking their dogs and, and it's just so peaceful. People just sit there in their cars and just stare at the sun coming up. But there's always a commotion when a little boy with his dad or one of the fishermen or, or people fishing, they suddenly catch a fish and suddenly they stand up and there's this fight that happens and there's this, this aggression that's like, Rah! and everybody's like on alert and there's, there's the fish is fighting. He doesn't want to cut, he doesn't want to be caught. And there's this fight going on and it, 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 it disrupts the shalom. It disrupts the peace. And as I was watching this today, Reese, I felt God say, I want you to know this. There's been a fight over your life. Like a fish, like, don't, like, no. And there's been an enemy assigned to take you out. And that's what you've been in the fight of your life. What's going on? There's me. Whoa, like turn around, confuse everything, just hit you. But because the oil is so great, the assignment is so great. But, but, but grace, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more and grace wins. And God just wants you to know the assignment is great against your life, but the assignment on your life is even greater. And the fight is always over. And in this room, right here in this room, Reese, 
There was a prophet and he prophesied over you that by your birthday, your next birthday, which is in like two months' time, everything's going to change. And I just want to say to you today, as you obey, say, God, here's the sacrifice at Gethsemane. I'm being crushed. The Lord wants you to know by your next birthday, which is rapidly coming up, the oil is going to flow and you are going to be a different person. That's so good. Oh, where's Preston? Preston, are you in the room? Preston, can you stand up, sir? Listen, I just, I, 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 oh, I just want you to know that when I, 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 this morning, God just wants you to know, he sees your heart. He sees your heart. Other people look at the outward appearance. You're a strong man, but God looks at your heart and he sees your heart. And he wants you to know the seven, the completion of an old season is coming to an end. And it's about to be a new beginning for you. And it's going to be good. And it's going to be full of oil. And it's going to be a season where God shows you who he made you to be. And they're great. It's going to be great. Can someone just pray for him right now? Just pray for Preston right now. Just, just, if you're around Preston, can you put your hands on him? If you're around him, just put your hands on him. Just bless him. Worship team, can you come? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish. I believe God wants to pray just to minister to us right where we're at today. There's an alignment. Let me go through this again really quick. Number one, if you're feeling worn out, you just feel like my tires have worn out prematurely. I, sh- I don't normally wear out this quick. Just clock it for a moment. If you're here and you feel what you could do before, you can no longer do. You just feel like I- 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 I'm-, I'm burning more fuel. My life doesn't feel very economical. Number three, things are hard to handle. Number four, you don't feel safe. Number five, it costs you more. It costs you more. You just feel like, I I don't know how I ended up here. I've gone through hell, and now I have all these bills. Now I'm overwhelmed. My car is literally falling apart, and I realize there are certain things I could have done a long time ago, but I didn't. And the word of the Lord today is, is shame off you. Failure is not terminal. Today is a new day. Today is the day of salvation. His mercies are new every morning. And if you respond right now, not to me. I don't want you to respond to me. Um, I, I just want you to respond to him. You can just close your eyes right now. The musicians are going to just start to gently play. But before we, before we go into a celebration, I, I want... I just you just 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 pause. Just you and the Holy Spirit. You can close your eyes, you can sit down, you can lie down. I don't mind. But just but what is it? What is it? What's out here is what is out of alignment? What's out of alignment? What's out of alignment? Where do I where <laughs> Sue's ready to go? Here, 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 let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. Maybe. It's just your heart. My heart is out of alignment. I know. My heart's just not right. That's why the Bible says, above all things, guard your heart because from it the issues of life flow. I'm just hurt. I'm disappointed. I'm offended. There's the alignment. Say, God, please forgive me for this offense. Lord, forgive me for... for for not letting this person go. Lord, forgive me today. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us for all unrighteousness. Right now, just, you can just say it, just quietly. This isn't confession's time. There's no confession booth. You don't have to find a priest. God never got rid of the priesthood. He just made us all priests. And as priests, we can come boldly, Hebrews says, before his throne of grace and receive mercy in our time of need. You, wherever you are, don't let shame stop you getting alignment today, pulling in your car of your whole life and saying, I'm alignment. I'm just, my tires are wearing thin. Or right to the end, it's so costly today, God. I feel so ashamed. I made this decision. I sinned here. I messed up here. I deliberately, knowingly carried on doing these things. And now my life is falling apart. My car is firing up, falling apart. I'm not even sure if it's worth fixing because the bill is worth more than the car is worth. And you feel like that in your soul. I am such a screw up. But here's the word of the Lord. Failure is not terminal. 
That's the cross. The wrath of God was satisfied. He's not angry with you. He says, come to me. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me with your sin. Come to me with your shame. Come to me with your disappointment. Come to me with your relationship challenges. Come to me with your illness. Come to me with your debt. Come to me with your sin. See, Hebrews says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Some of you, you know, I wrote this down. Some of you just keep lying. You've just become a liar. And it's so deep inside of you, you think, well, I'm actually pretty good at this and it's not hurting anyone else. But the Holy Spirit says, hey, stop lying. Repent. And you just, this is how you do it. Say, Gee, recognition, I've lied. Lord, you know it. It's just you and me. Please, will you forgive me? I'm going to stop lying. And you know what? This is where the anointing comes to realign you today. And you're like, oh my gosh. And you're going to leave here and your tires aren't going to go bald. <laughs> You might go bald, but your tires won't, won't go bald. But, they, but stay on this church. We, but maybe that's it. Maybe it's gossip. I just, I've lost sight. I've just become negative. I've been become critical. Just stop it. And how? I repent. Lord, please forgive me. And you know, Acts chapter 3 says, when we repent, times of refreshing comes. There's an oil of gladness. This is the gospel. That's why it's such good news. The divine exchange already happened. Just close your eyes where you are. Thank you, Lord. Oh. In First in Samuel chapter 15, I'm going to close with this. God says this. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Early this morning I thought, hang on a second, wait, 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 what? Obedience is better than sacrifice. If obedience is better than sacrifice, there must be a difference between obedience and sacrifice. Here it is. God's not interested in your burnt offering of the Old Testament. He's not interested in you sacrificing an animal. He's not interested in your penance. He's not interested, well, I just, I'll do better. I'll pay back. I'll do better. No, he's not interested in that. It's by grace that we've been saved, not by works, so that no man can boast. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. And God says, I'm not, I, I would rather you come to me and say, not my will, Lord, but yours. Because that obedience and that surrender and that lordship will let the oil flow. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would flow today in this place, right now, that you'd flow, that forgiveness would, be, would, would saturate our hearts. Some of you need to just, just, just receive forgiveness. Like, thank you for forgiving me, Lord. Thank you for forgiving, but it's so much. There's so many wrong things with the car. Little things in the car that, little things that no one else knows about. I just, because it's my car, I just know they're wrong. God says, yeah, bring it all to me. Bring it all to me. Just bring it all to me. Bring it to me. And let the oil flow. Let the anointing flow. When you're ready, and only when you're ready, we do this different today rather than lay hands on you and pray for everybody. When you're ready and you feel like, oh, there's an alignment that's happened. Oh, there's an alignment that's happening. I just want you to stand to your feet in God's presence. And you feel you're ready. Stand to your feet. We're going we're gonna to celebrate in a moment. We're going to go out with this song and have the musicians lead us in that song, The Shores, my soul. We're going to sing it again together. And we're going to leave here realigned today.